Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. Are you a woman out there who has been doing her inner work for a while? You've maybe been going to therapy or listening to these podcasts or reading the books, doing the actual work it takes to heal yourself, and you're looking around and noticing that you are lonelier and more isolated than ever, that doing your work means that it does sometimes create distance with others. Think about joining the Sisterhood Group Coaching. I designed it so that women could come together and be supported with like-minded other women when sometimes our family and our friends, our children and our partners aren't as supportive as we would like them to be and as we deserve for them to be. This is a place to come every month and get that support and see the people who are doing the work, learning from each other, teaching each other. You deserve that. And this is a place where you can do it. Hello, hello, fam. This is the episode I know so many of you have been waiting for. The European dating episode. I've still got to get those crowd noises, you guys. It's going to be so epic when I do. Fair warning, usually my podcast episodes are about helping you, about giving you strategies or tools or ideas or things to think about, things to contemplate. This one is just fun. It's just, I promised you guys that I would do this podcast on what it was like to be a single woman dating in Europe in a bunch of different countries. So if that doesn't interest you, totally fine. You're allowed to skip this episode. I usually would never say you can skip an episode. All the episodes are so freaking important. Stuff for you to learn in each one. But this one specifically, if again, if this does not interest you, go ahead and skip it. If you love juicy details, if you love the idea of what it would be like to date in other countries, if you're interested in sort of the differences between different cultures and societies and how they view relationships and dating and sex, and things like that, then please, by all means, stick around. I'm shooting this episode a couple of weeks after my birthday. And so I drove to the coast for my birthday, which is about a three hour drive. And I thought, oh, you know what I should do since I'm just getting this season up and rolling? I should go back and I should listen to the first season. I've never listened to my own podcast. I'm not a narcissist. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to it. I've got three hours there, three hours back. I should be able to get through most of the episodes, especially if I speed it up to like, one and a half times, I should be able to get through it to make sure that I don't talk about things I've already talked about, to make sure I don't repeat stories, things like that. Oh my God, you guys. I listened to this and I was like, holy shit, I share way too much with them. I started like clutching at my pretend pearls. I started looking out the window going, oh my, 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 my. Are people hearing this? Like, holy shit. Shauna told my numbers the other day of how many people in the last 30 days had downloaded the podcast since I advertised season two was coming. And I was like, oh my God, all those people have listened. And she's like, bitch, that's just the people have listened this month. I don't know why I share so much with you guys. I mean, I share a lot on Instagram and TikTok. I feel like I do, right? But 
somehow it's different. Then I get on here and I'm in my, for those of you watching on YouTube, like you can see my office, like I get here in my office and I just feel like I'm just chatting to a girlfriend and I just, oh my God, I reveal way too much. When somebody comes up to me in my hometown and is like, oh, I follow you on TikTok or Instagram, or I just got a new client the other day, a one-on-one client. And she was like, I've been following you for a year on TikTok. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so great. And I know that means she knows a lot about me, but when somebody says, as they listen to my podcast, I'm like, oh my God, it's like you're in the bathtub with me. Oh dear Lord, the things you know about me. On my birthday, my ex called. It was lovely to say happy birthday. I talked about him a few times. I obviously leave his name out, but he is incredibly, he's a lovely man. He's the man that I almost married and he's such a wonderful, wonderful man. We have a great relationship, friendship now. And so he called my birthday and we're just talking about this and that, and he's so supportive of everything I do. And somehow in the beginning, because I think I was like, oh, I've been listening to my podcast, and oh my God, I can't believe I totally talked about how you masturbate in the shower in one of them. And then I just kept proceeding to talk, and it was like 25 minutes later, and he was like, yeah, so do you mind if I ask why in a podcast you would talk about me masturbating in a shower? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> And I was like, no, it was a whole episode about masturbation, and there was it was a good point, and it was fine. <laughs> He was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm super supportive, but wow, okay, you just really, you just really went there. And I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry I did. So here we go on dating on my European adventure last, last summer. And I do this knowing that we will probably have another one next season because I will, as far as I know, I will be dating again. I'm still single. So I will be dating again on my adventures coming up here in a couple months this summer. So uh, I've been so nervous about doing this podcast, but you know, people ask me like, why would you be dating in other countries? Nothing could come of it. And that's not necessarily true. I'm very open to where, to my living situation changing. I love the small town in Oregon in which I live, wonderful friends and family and things here, but I'm also open to moving abroad. So if I met the love of my life in a foreign country, I'd be very open to moving. So why not? And I also dated because I love dating and I come from a small town. So dating is harder here and I love sex just as much as the next person. So why would I not be dating? The other reason I really wanted to date is when traveling alone, in some ways it can be easier to meet people, friends, people to hang out with, but I'm traveling the country or traveling around Europe in my 40s. So it's not like I, I'm not staying at hostels. Some people do in their 40s. I'm privileged enough to not be having to stay in hostels. So I'm when I'm not a 20-year-old backpacker, like looking to meet other backpackers, I'm staying in hotels and Airbnbs and things. So meeting people is a little harder. I don't drink. I actually ended up stopped drinking on the trip in Ireland. In Ireland, I decided I'm not going to drink anymore. What a terrible, terrible idea. Who let me be a life coach? And I only stopped drinking because I've always had bad sort of like allergic reactions to drinking that I have just dealt with and put up with. And finally, I was like, "Ugh, my body hates drinking. I need to stop doing this. And I happened to be in Ireland where, of course, there was great drinking to be had. And I was like, oh, it's making me feel like shit. So I'm going to stop. So it's not like I'm going to a ton of bars. So how am I going to get to meet local people? Dating is one of those 
ways to do that. And one of the reasons that I personally love to travel and have wanted to spend anywhere from three to six months, we'll see how life goes, in other countries is because I love looking at how other people live. I love looking at other cultures. I think we'll probably do an entire podcast episode on how the language you speak affects and shapes the thoughts that you think. You only think the thoughts that you think because of the language you speak. So if you speak more languages, you are of access to actually thinking more kinds of thought. And so I really loved spending time in places where people spoke many languages. Therefore, more of those neural pathways were opened. They're more, more able to think broader thoughts than we are when we only speak one language. I'm somebody who speaks American Sign Language, not as well as I used to. It used to be fairly fluent. And just that experience, because it's not ASL is not English. It has informed by its own culture and its own experiences and just how much that opened for me. And so the sociology of travel, of learning about different cultures and people was, is something that's super important to me. Yes, it's fun to go to other places and, and uh, see the sights and eat the food, but I'm really interested in the people. I did a study abroad in London when I was in college and I did a sociology class there. And she, our professor, made us go to bars and ask questions and write papers about the people that we talk to and what their experiences are in life, in parenting, in sex, in jobs, in the way they view their politics. And it was just just absolutely mind-opening for me at 18 years old and something that it was very interesting to me to continue to do just as a coach, right? Just as somebody who is deeply interested in why people do the things they do, who people are, and what forms the belief systems we have. Are traumas all the same? Are they different? Are our childhood experiences different? How do we see sex? How do we see money? How do we see all these these things differently because of where we're from? And one of the interesting ways to do that and to get to know people more was through dating while I was there. And so I definitely partook. Let me just make a blanket statement first that I make some generalizations here is the generalizations of the people that I met in the countries that I was in. This is not a generalization of everybody in Europe. Jesus Christ, there's all different countries in Europe. Europe is a goddamn continent. It is not a country. And there's all different kinds of people everywhere you go. So please know that this is just my experiences of the people that I met and the conversations that I had. It is not to be generalized of everybody from this country is like this. Okay. So just wanted to put that out there. Um, So what I did is I used Bumble the Bumble app, I was just very, very honest, as I am always with dating, I was very honest that, hey, look, I'm thinking about moving abroad, I'm thinking about moving to this country, and I would love to buy you a beer and pick your brain a little bit about learning about why you love your city, why you love your country, why you choose to live here, what things that I should know. Right. And I date men. And so men were more than happy. I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, wasn't it hard because they knew you were just in town for a little while? And I was like, actually, they were more than fine to go on dates with me, knowing that I was just in town for a little while. For those of you who don't know, I spent a last summer, I spent a month in Ireland, five weeks in the Netherlands, and uh, about 
two and a half, three weeks in Croatia and Slovenia, Ljubljana in Slovenia. I did not date when I was in Croatia because <laughs> my father was with me. He flew out to spend time with me in Croatia. So a little bit more awkward trying to date with dad. What an awkward third wheel. So I did not do any dating while I was there. And I will say most of my dating was in the Netherlands because it is a country I've really thought about moving to. I've really, it has called to me for many years. And I did a lot of dating, dating there. And men were really, really lovely there. One man explained to me that in the Netherlands that they really love foreigners. They really love, they think of themselves because they've been a trading port for so long. Um, access, there's great access into all of Europe from, from the sea on the Netherlands is on the water there that they really enjoy and really grok into who they are as a people, that they are traders. Traders, not traitors, that they have been about trade. They've been about people coming to their land from other countries and trading with them. So they're very welcoming to people of other countries. They grow up, they learn English, German, and Dutch. So they're already ready and primed for other cultures. In fact, I, coming from America, I always thought that I should try to learn a little bit of the language, not assume people speak English or that they speak English well. So I should really try to learn a little bit of the language of the place that I'm going to. And I was speaking to a few Dutch men before I even left America and they were like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. We speak English. We're proud of being able to speak English. So if somebody starts talking to you in Dutch, you just start talking to them in English and they will switch over for you which ended up being incredibly true, very hard to do, to have somebody coming up to you and speaking in a foreign language and just smiling and waiting for them to be done and saying, hi, how are you? And then having them go, oh, hi, and then start again in English. It was humbling. It was so unbelievably lovely watching people switch. And not everybody there speaks perfect English. I get really frustrated with people who are like, oh yeah, you go to the Netherlands. Everybody there speaks English. I mean, yes, everybody learned English, but there's a varying degree of the amount of English they speak. And it still is a second language for them. So I still was so honored every time somebody would switch to English or try or do Google Translate with me. I needed to have all the, I went to lots of different cities there. I needed to have all the menus. Thank God Google Translate could take a picture and translate the menus. Now the menus are in English, but everybody was so lovely to say, do you need me to read you the menu? Like, oh my God, you poor waiter. You're going to sit here and read me the whole menu. You're lovely. So I had a wonderful experience with the Dutch in that way and how gracious and open they were to foreigners. I had a lovely man write to me and say, when I first got there and said, oh, I read your bio, I read your thing about moving here. I would never do this on a first date. But are you interested in perhaps coming to a traditional Dutch Sunday family dinner with me and my family? I like that seems like a crazy first date, but if you're interested in moving here and living here, would you like to do that? And I was like, abso-freaking-lutely. This guy picked me up. Again, I was in very safe countries. I felt very safe. Guns, we'll probably do an entire episode on that. It's just not a thing in many of the countries that I went to. In Ireland, they police don't even carry guns in the Netherlands. Almost nobody I had met had ever seen a gun that was not on a police officer. They don't have the crime problems that we have in America. People said to me, are you so terrified of traveling in Europe alone as a woman? And I kept saying, no, I feel safer in doing that than I feel in my own country. And people laughed. And yet there was a mass shooting in my small town while I was in Europe. 
I'm somebody who's very safe when when dating, and I felt that I was able to have a little bit more, be a little bit more liberal. I was staying in hotels that made me feel safer. And again, they just don't have the the places I went don't have nearly the type of crime that we sadly do here in America. He picked me up and we went to his family house and we went in and everybody was speaking Dutch and he just announced in English, this is this girl that I told you guys about. She's American. She's thinking about moving here and I wanted her to meet everybody and to, to see. So the mother and the sister took me into the kitchen and they're showing me how to make the food and their traditional food that they were eating and the little kids were coming up to me in, and speaking to me in Dutch and I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I speak English. And they would immediately, oh, no problem and switch over to English like, four or five years old. Adorable. So fun. Things that I wouldn't have gotten to experience had I not been been dating. I found it really fascinating. I was going on all these dates with these absolutely beautiful Dutch men. Just they are some some beautiful people over there. They're also very tall. They're the tallest people in the world. For those who don't know that, they're very, very tall. Every man I went out with was over six three, I want to say. Height is not a thing for me. I don't care about height. In fact, I prefer a man, I'm five six. I prefer a man that's not that tall. It's not that much taller than me because I feel like if I have sex with a man that is a lot taller than me, then every time we want to switch positions, we need graph paper. You know, it just feels like, oh, you want that position? Well, let's look at my height dynamic versus yours, how you're the length of your thighs, like how tall you are. Like it just becomes a whole thing. So I don't usually date men that tall, but in the Netherlands, it's sort of unavoidable. And there was incredibly beautiful, good looking men and I would flirt with them and they wouldn't flirt back. And I'm a big flirt. That's kind of my thing. Funny, I'm outgoing, I'm flirty. And these men just sort of, one guy, I like text him something flirty and he rolled his eyes. I was like, oh, I'm usually pretty good at this. This is my thing. This is what I got. So I got going. I, oh, that's weird. And then another man in person, he just sort of brushed it off. And not like embarrassed. Like sometimes I'll flirt with a guy or compliment a guy and he'll turn red and get really embarrassed. This wasn't it. It was something else. It definitely was not going well. And I was lucky enough in several of the hotels that are the places I stayed, there was this sort of, ch- not chain, but several hotels that all had college girls worked in the hotels. And they were super sweet and lovely and helped me get around. And I went up to them one night and I was like, dating is like not going well for me because they're not liking it when I flirt. And the girl said, oh yeah, that's not a thing here. That's not a cultural thing here that we do. We don't flirt. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I mean, we really pride ourselves on equality. This is something that America really needs to, to, to think about when we talk about like wanting to be equal, which is super important. And also the, get the death of the gentleman, right? Like we have a lot less gentlemen than we used to because these sort of like, I want to be equal in the dating sphere, which is wonderful, but we are losing this sort of uh, men opening doors for women or pulling out your chair, things like that. If that matters to you, it's probably going away in our culture. And so I had noticed that when I didn't think about why, but every date I went on, we'd go up to the hostess stand and she'd be like, oh, right this way. And then I would end up running into the guy, like boom, like running into his body. And we'd both be like, oh, are you okay? Sorry, sorry. And I was, didn't think about why that was happening. And I realized because he's not letting me walk in front of him. Usually it's the man kind of opens his arm for you. In America here, my experience of dating is that he sort of opens his arm for you. You walk ahead of him, maybe pull out chair, maybe not. And that is just, that was not happening. We were running into each other because that's not part of their 
culture there. And the girl said, yeah, if you needed help with something, like you were carrying a heavy package, you could ask a man and a man would be more than happy to help you with it. But he's not going to think to help you because we have this like equality feeling here of like men are equal to women. So why would I let you walk in front of me? Why would I pull out your chair? Why would I offer to open the door for you or to help you? I, I never had the experience of a man. Every man I went out with was incredibly lovely and, and warm and gracious and thoughtful, but that just wasn't a part of it. And so she said, yeah, no, they will see flirting as disingenuous. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was like, well, you know, if I can't flirt or compliment him on what he looks like, and no man had complimented me. Like, I thought, I went on a couple of dates. I thought, oh, that was sort of like hanging out with a colleague. And then he would text me like 10 minutes later, like, what a good time he had. And he couldn't, when could he see me again? I was like, how am I getting these mixed signals? It's because there wasn't flirting. There wasn't, you look beautiful. I love your outfit, blah, 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 whatever. Um, wonderful dates, lovely men. That was not an, an, an aspect of it. And so I said to these girls, because they were college age, I was like, so, I mean, if I can't flirt, how will they know I'm interested? I'm not looking to, you know, I don't have time to like date long term here right now. Like maybe I'd like to have some sex. And she, they were so great. They were like, oh yeah, you can totally have sex here. Oh, absolutely. You just inform him that you would like to have sex with him. We are a culture that we are very black and white. We are very honest, open sort of, a lot of people find us to be very brash, but yeah, you just say, I, I would love to have sex with you tonight. And they'll be like, great, wonderful. Me too. Excellent. I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do that. She goes, you'll definitely want to do that before he orders because it will probably change what he orders because he may not order the chili if he knows you guys are going to have sex after. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. This is so different. And also there was this sort of expectation, of course, that we would split it, this idea of going Dutch. So I, I feel like I really offended a man because we went to pay and I was like, oh, would you, I, I could split it with you, which I always offer in America too, that, to, to split the meal with somebody I don't expect a man to pay for me. And he just looked at me and he was like, I'm not cheap. I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, going Dutch. We know that's a bad thing. That means like it's this word meaning stingy in America. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought about that. Because we do have that thing like, do you want to go Dutch? It means do you want to split? And there you split because everybody is equal. So why would one person pay for the other? But he saw it as Americans are saying that there's something negative about it. I said, well, do you, I don't mind throwing in for the tip if you want. Forgetting that there, tipping is not necessary. There, That tipping is not a big thing in the Netherlands. And if you do, you tip about maybe 5%. In fact, I talked to a guy and I was like, it's so hard for me. I still tip 20% because I'm American. He said, please don't do that. That's not a part of our culture. You don't need to do that. Then you start changing the expectations of our culture and how we do things. If you are going to be here, you need to do things the way that we do them. And we here don't tip. And if we do, we tip 5%. So please, you know, go along with our culture. And I thought, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. That is, that is something I hadn't thought about. They also get paid significantly better than we do here. So I said, okay, throw in for tip. He said, don't worry, I'm going to tip. American girls always worry that like, we're not going to tip. And so I realized that, you know, oh, there's some faux pas I'm having here. It's, it's not, everything doesn't go wonderfully because I don't think about things things like that, things like how they may perceive us. Yeah, 
So that that was interesting in dating and, and just finding those, you know, cultural differences. So often we, I wanted to bring this up because so often we see Hallmark movies and we see these movies about like, oh, just meeting a man in another culture or a partner in another culture and, and you fall instantly in love and you have this fairy tale romance and they don't show enough of cultural differences. I just, a guy texted me and I was just looking at it out of the corner of my eye and it said, you're so beautiful, all 168. And I thought, oh my God, is he going to say all 168 pounds of me? Because, and I'm like, if he is, does that mean that I put my weight somehow on my dating profile? Which I did. I lied because I weigh more than that. (laughs) But I was like, that seemed like such a weird thing to say. And I realized he said all 168 centimeters of you. And I was like, oh, right. Centimeters. Yes. Right. Because they do things in centimeters here. They only use pounds for meat Interestingly enough, so their their understanding of pounds like is up to like maybe five or so, and so it was really fun on dates to look at that. Like we would talk about, I went out with a, a man who was a lovely man, and it was so interesting. It's brilliant, brilliant man, lovely conversations, and then we got into you know feet and pounds and how different that is for them. And he was about six, three and he was like, Oh, let me do the translation to see how tall I am in, in feet. And he goes, Oh, okay. So I don't know what it means, but I'm almost seven feet tall. I was like, no, 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 no. You're not almost seven feet tall. He's like, yeah, 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 I am. Look at this. And I was like, no, you're, you're understanding that different. You are seven feet tall. And then it's like, Oh my God, I have to explain what seven feet tall looks like. And he goes, well, you can't tell from looking at me that I'm not seven feet tall. And I was like, no, I can. That's like a basketball player, you know? And, and he was like, Oh, I'm almost 200 pounds. And I was like, no, 153 pounds is not almost 200 pounds. That's like a a full child away. Like we're laughing and trying to like explain these differences and how funny it is to, to think of myself instead of five, six as 168 centimeters tall and just so much fun with talking about those cultural differences, but you can step on toes and you can, there's a lot of things up for misinterpretation that I don't think we, we think enough about. And I, there was a great time this guy was like, Hey, so I'm installing a washing machine and it's in inches and you know, we don't have inches. So I was wondering if you could help me out here a little bit. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, so it says it needs like six inches of clearance. Like how big is six inches? Oh God. And of course, like every great dirty joke, like sprang to mind. I was like, Oh, six inches is about like this, you know? And he goes, do you know what? At first he said, do you know what six inches looks like? And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's so many good jokes here. He won't understand any of them. I was like, I mean, I'm maybe more used to four, four and a half inches, but no, no six. Yeah. You know, it's, and didn't get my joke. And he's like, well, I think we need more like eight inches. And I was like, you don't, you think you want eight inches of, of washing machine clearance, but you don't want eight inches. You want six. That's a four to six. Great. That's a great amount. You think you want eight, but you don't. And he just looked at me like blinking. Like what lady? Ah, great joke. Wrong crowd. Damn it. Such good times. I also had my first experience of a man looking me up online before a date. I I was not sure how he did. I mean, he must've just Googled my first name because it doesn't give last names and life coach or something. I'm not really sure how he found me, but I had been, for those of you following me, you know that I had been talking about my experience while in Europe on social media of all the things I was learning and cultural things and places I was going and people I was meeting. And I was talking about dating online and he, I don't want to say called me on it, but he brought it up. And 
I know this is going to start happening to me as, you know, I get bigger on social media and more people see my videos that people will look me up before they meet me. And I talk a lot about my life. You guys know, and this is a, I, this is, I mean, this is a whole podcast, right? About my life. And I talk about dating and I talk about real issues I have and real things I'm going through. And I don't mind doing that because I know it helps other people. But in the sphere of dating, that can be harder to have that all out there, to put that all out there for this man to see that, yes, I've been going on dates with lots of other men before going on a date with him. And I had, in America, I had a guy who I was supposed to go on a date with who, he didn't stand me up, but he canceled a couple hours before the date. And I found out later it was because he had looked me up online and got really intimidated of what he saw. And as women, we are trained subconsciously to be small, to play small, to be sweet and polite and thoughtful and loving and in the background and to never, ever, ever make your man feel uncomfortable or not like a quote-unquote man, right? Be careful of a man's ego. Don't say the wrong thing. Build your man up. Make him feel like he can take on the world. Don't do anything that would make him insecure. And here I put my entire life out there, including my dating. And that was really hard. And it wasn't even hard that he had seen it because my thing is in doing this, I've come to terms with this is who I am. This is what I do. This is how I show up in the world. And this is how I help people. And I'm proud of the work I do. And I don't mind sharing my life. As I said, if it helps other people, and I will find the partner who sees what I do for a living and loves what I do and champions what I do and sees the message that I'm putting out there and is okay with the fact that my life is out there. Now, he and I can discuss how much of our life together when I have a partner I put out there, but I am going to need to be able to talk about him in terms of our relationship, because I'm always teaching through my own experiences and what I go through. And so this was my first experience of having a guy be like, so been doing a lot of dating, huh? And like I said, I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm able to stay on my ground in that my right guy is going to be like, that's fine. I get it. No problem. Great. He will support me. But it's still hard in the moment it's still hard in the moment to sit there looking across from somebody and be like, wow, this guy knows a lot about me. This guy can have a lot of judgments about me and how I live my life. It's all out there. And my biggest fear was not what he would think of me, but whether or not I would shrink down in his presence. The date was going well. I really liked him. He was really cute. He was really interesting. And we were having a great time. And I was just so afraid that I would shrink and become smaller and diminish what I had been doing, the dates I had been on, the experiences I had that I'd be like, oh, it wasn't really that big of a deal or, oh, that story, I, you know, oh, you know, that's not that big of a deal or I'm in a couple of dates because I liked the man. And I think that a lot of us, no matter what we identify as, have that experience. We want so much to be liked by the person that we are spending time with that we shrink down, that we make ourselves small in order to be liked. And I 
in that moment at least was able to say, yep, I have been doing a lot of dating. Yep. I have been having a lot of experiences here. Someday my partner or any partner I have is going to probably hear this podcast and hear about men that I slept with or men that I dated. It's very interesting. I have several exes that listen to my podcast and I always wonder how that affects them, how they, and we're broken up. A lot of them are remarried and in new relationships, but I do think, oof, you know, and I'm unwilling to change what I share and what I talk about because of that. But it's something I do think about. How does that affect them? Does that hurt? Is that weird? Those sorts of things, knowing that someday somebody I'm going to be with is going to hear these things. And does that make me want to change? By the way, yes, it does make me want to change what I share, but I stay on my mission and I trust that if I find partnership, that he's going to be a man that that accepts all of me and all of my experiences and knows that makes me well-rounded, more whole person. But that was a very formative maybe experience of, here it is. I knew this was going to start happening and it's here right now. And I am not going to shrink down. I'm going to have confidence in what I do and knowing that this is who I am and what I give to the world. And he was, like I said, he was lovely about it. But I was lovely about it too. And I'm proud of myself for that. I also went on a very uh, confusing date with a man who was German. I was in the Netherlands and he was German and his English was good. It was not amazing, but I was so grateful that he spoke any English because sadly I don't speak any German. And we had been talking over text and stuff before our date. He was going to pick me up at the hotel and we had talked about children and how we both don't have children and we like dating people who don't have children and how that seems to be hard to find at our age, except 40. I was I'm 41 now. I was 40 then. He was maybe 45. And I was standing in this beautiful, long black dress, like down to like mid-calf, waiting for him. And this child came up to me and in Dutch, crying, just sobbing his eyes out in Dutch and coming up to me going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm looking around. There's nobody around. He's sobbing, he's speaking Dutch, and he takes the bottom of my dress. He's, I don't know, I don't know kids' ages because I don't have them. He's like four to four or five maybe, I'm not sure. But he takes the bottom of my dress and starts wrapping it up in his hand. So now it is making it a very, very short dress all of a sudden. And uh, good Lord, and so I'm kind of trying to push it down, but I'm trying to talk to him, and he's wiping his eyes with my dress. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't speak Dutch. I don't speak Dutch. And so he changes to English and he's like, I can't find my mommy. I can't find my mommy. And my mommy said, if I can't find her to find another mommy. And part of me was like, Jesus Christ, here I am in my cute little black dress. I got my lace underwear on. I'm feeling myself. I'm going on a date with this gorgeous German man in this amazing town in the Netherlands. I'm <laughs> And he's like, you look like a mommy. Like, what does a mommy even look like? Dear Lord, dear Lord. And right as he says this, the man like rounds the corner and he just stops and stares at me because there's this woman he's picking up for his date who supposedly doesn't have children and is now standing there with a child who is sobbing, who has wrapped her dress up in his hand and is using it to wipe his eyes. And I'm like trying to calm him down and try 
talk him through it. And the guy's like, I'm sorry, what's happening? And so he comes over and we have to spend the first half of our date finding this boy's parents who will not, he will not let go of the bottom of my dress. So now this man has seen all of my upper thighs as I'm trying to pull the dress down and get the child to unfurl my dress. Good news. We found his mom. He was fine. Everything was great. We were the heroes of the evening. This man that I want to date with did not have a sense of humor about it, which made it so much more awkward. And now I'm walking around with a tear-soaked dress for the for the rest of the night. And it was so hard in the beginning to explain to him, this is not my child. And he's like, this looks like your child. I'm like, no, 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 this is not. I know it looks terribly like my child because he's crying on me, but um, not not my child. We need to to find this child's mother. So yeah, some, some interesting things that sometimes, like I said, he didn't speak a lot of. English is in a stressful situation and I talk really fast. And that was an interesting time. It's, it's been funny as I've been thinking about living in another country, moving to another country. I get very frustrated by the amount of people who, when I say, oh, I'm looking at these countries, but I'm looking at countries that speak English because I want to date in these countries and make friends in these countries. And until I can learn the language of wherever I decide to move to, I need for them to speak good English. And it's so funny because all my, not all my, but many of my married friends are like, oh my gosh, people speak English everywhere. Yeah, no problem. You can move to Germany. You can move to Croatia. You can move to all these places because they do speak English. Oh my God, you'll be fine in the Netherlands. Everybody speaks English. And while that is true, many people in many countries speak English, we don't think about the fact that a lot of people speak what I call cruise ship English, enough to get by. But I'm actually looking for somebody who has a vast comprehension of English because I want to have deep philosophical conversations with my partner. I want to be able to talk politics. I want to be able to talk philosophy, alien invasion, all the things that interest me, emotional intelligence. I want somebody who can express his emotions to me in English until I can learn a language and we can go back and forth. Also, sarcasm. Mm, That I struggled with dating if men didn't have a deep understanding of English. Sarcasm was so hard because I'm an incredibly sarcastic person. You probably know. It is my natural sense of humor. And that is one of the hardest types of humor to understand in another language. You have to have a very deep understanding of that language to understand sarcasm. So it was really hard going on some of these dates where these guys just sort of looked at me like, what? What? I'm going, ah, damn. My my sense of humor is what I've got going for me. This is my most attractive quality. And you're not getting it. Shoot. And it's not your fault. And I appreciate how much you do understand and speak English. So it's certainly not your fault that you're not understanding this. But it did make it a lot harder to date and something I definitely need to think about when going to other places to date. I did not expect to spend any time in Ireland. I had no plans to go to Ireland. And then the you know, I just decided, okay, I felt like the universe was like, you need to go to Ireland. And so I thought I was going for a weekend and I stayed a month. Ooh, the Irish accent. Mm, That is attractive. Funny enough, everywhere that I traveled and dated, men found an American accent incredibly sexy, which, you know, again, we don't think of as being Americans that our accent is attractive. In fact, when I lived in London about 20 years ago, 25 years ago now, maybe, um, it was it was not 
thought of a sexy, I, they would have, I would have people inter- imitate what it is to speak English. I'd go, give me an English accent or American accent. Excuse me, not English accent, American accent. And they'd be like, yeah, man, totally cool, man. Like they would just do Bart Simpson because that's how they said we all sound. That was before we had streaming. So I noticed in my 20 years difference from spending all this time studying abroad in London 25 years ago to now people's understanding of America, of different places in America, people travel more. Sure, that's one of them, but also streaming services. They're watching the same Netflix shows we're watching. They're watching the same HBO shows, the same Prime shows that we are. Their understanding of small towns I used to have to 25 years ago, explain in England, like where I lived. I I lived in California at the time. And so I would oftentimes just need to say, I live near Disneyland. I didn't live anywhere near Disneyland. But geographically, that was what made the most sense to them. And now there were so many people that knew the small town, even that I lived in or watched Goonies. So they knew the Oregon coast and their understanding of America and America culture through movies and shows, which is, as we know, not always accurate, but they had a lot more breadth of knowledge than I had expected. They were very interested in talking to me about American politics, which is hard. American gun control, also a hard subject to talk about. Roe v. Wade was overturned right before I went. That was a very interesting thing to to talk about. I had slept with a, dated a man for a little while and slept with him. And all of a sudden he was like, oh my God, if we had a condom break, do you have, you go home. Do you have to have a baby? Like, oh my God, we need to talk about this. He got really freaked out. And he said, oh my, I thought, wow, I can't believe we have to have this conversation. We do. I understand where he's coming from. And I said, no, I I live on the West Coast where we have that ability and that privilege that not everybody has. And this is obviously not a topic that we're going to be getting into here, but just it's so interesting to to have those conversations with people from other countries and have to talk about American politics and why we do the things we do and their interest in it being because – What we do in America tends to have ripple effects around the whole world. I remember when I lived in London 25 years ago, somebody on BBC News said, the problem is that when America sneezes, the whole world gets a cold. And that was 25 years ago. So it was really interesting to see how much they wanted to have understanding of the things that we were doing, like why were we doing some of the things that that we do, uh, our military issues, things like that, and realizing how much they know about America and how little I know about the countries that I went to. So speaking, just a little side note there. Speaking of, so Ireland, speaking, going back to that, Ireland was a very interesting place to date. My God, the accent. They kept being, I kept going on dates with men who were like, I just want to hear you talk. And I was like, hmm, well, good, because I'm very outgoing. I got lots of things to say. I can talk all night long. But also, I really want to hear you talk because the accent is just so, so amazing. And I just loved hearing it. So it was funny that they thought an American accent was so interesting. They kept saying, oh, you talk like Kim Kardashian, which, my God, please don't tell me that. But it was, I think, that California, I'm from California, that sort of California accent. I say like a lot and I speak really fast. So that was sort of interesting. They'd ask me, can you do a New York accent? They thought New York accents were very sexy. Can you do a a Southern accent? They were very interested in, in all the different accents that we have here in America. I found it challenging. I learned a lot about myself dating in Ireland because I found dating in Ireland to be very challenging. 
Why did I find it very challenging? Because every man I went on a date with was loud, outgoing, charming, warm, gracious, huggy, told amazing stories, just bubbling with vivaciousness and energy. And although I think all those things sound wonderful, my God, it was too much because it was like dating me. Oh God, I thought, all of a sudden I felt bad for everybody who's ever dated me in their life. I was like, this is so overwhelming. These men are so lovely and warm and charming and gregarious, but good God, it's so much energy. Good God, it is absolutely thrilling and exhausting being around them. And I thought, oh my God, is this what it's like to date me? Oh God, it's awful. I would never want to date me. How, I had so much gratitude for every man that has ever dated me long-term because good Lord, Good Lord, that's a lot. Holy shit. And I realized that just culturally, maybe the Dutch men that I had dated were much more reserved, warm, quiet, or particular, that that sort of reserved and introverted. The, my experience of the men that I had dated there and people agreed with me that was more common there. I was like, Whew, I think for me, it needs to be a little bit of opposites attract. I tend to date reserved men. And God, now I know why, because dating in Ireland was quite the trip. Like it was like, dating myself and just looking in that mirror. Really fun times. Like I said, it was just like everybody was your best friend. Everybody wanted to get to know you and just so outgoing. It was very interesting talking to a lot of Irish people about the depression that they have suffered after that the bar scene or the pub scenes really aren't back in the way that they used to be. That really was a really special gathering place for the Irish people, that which we have sort of lost here in America, I think, longer ago than and they still have it, that like watering hole where people just come together after work or on the weekends and in small towns. This is where you go and you see everybody you know at the pub and you're checking in with people and you're, you know, your grandfather might come in the door, but your nephew might come in the door and your childhood best friend is going to be there and you know each other so well and you sing and you dance and you celebrate together and it's just such a beautiful experience and that because of COVID people went to lockdowns, they were not having that experience that they had been having for generations. And people started drinking at home alone. And that is a much different type of drinking than it is to go out to a pub where you are going to be social, you are going to see the people that you love and care about and meet new people in your community. And that is really been hard for them. And as of last summer, and I was there, that community really hadn't come back. And that was something that they were dealing with on a countrywide scale. And that was really, I didn't know any different. I had never been to Ireland before, but seeing it on the faces of the people that I meet, I met a lot of really great friends. We may do a podcast on that, but really great friends there in Ireland. So talking to people, but also going on dates and just seeing the pain that they were struggling with and going through there around recovering from COVID and what that did to a culture of community made me reflect on sort of how little community we really have in most places in America. And I live in a small town in America, but about 100,000 people. And I usually, whenever I go out, I see somebody I know or several people I know. And still, 
I feel that loss after COVID of community that I can't imagine what that is like on that scale in Ireland. So I'm, I am going back this summer and I'm really interested to see hopefully that sense of community of gathering place has rebounded for them because I, I really saw on them. And it's a country that, you know, when I was talking to friends there that does not go to therapy. They, there were several friends that uh, I met along the way that said, so does everybody in America have therapists? And I was like, no, that's not really a thing. Nobody seemed surprised that I was a life coach. Maybe not really sure what it was, but we said, oh, it's somewhat similar to therapy. And they're like, oh yeah, does everybody there have a therapist? And I was like, no, not even close. Why would you ask that? And they said, well, in American shows, it just looks like everybody has a therapist because there are so many people in therapy in shows that they watch online, which is a wonderful thing and makes me really happy to hear because I think it's important that we are showing therapy more on TV. We are normalizing therapy in America and hopefully around the world. So it was interesting to hear that they were struggling with this amount of depression. I mean, also the weather there was absolutely phenomenal when I was there. But as we all understand of Irish weather, it is not always beautiful and 75. So the weather mixed with drinking at home and losing that sense of community and therapy, you know, they were saying that therapy is something you would go to if you were crazy. Like he was, oh my God, somebody's going to therapy. They must be crazy. So they still have that sort of reputation around therapy that we thankfully in this country, I hope, are breaking. We are moving towards therapy. We are moving towards life coaching. We are moving towards counseling to support in different ways. And I think that is so important. And I really hope that that's something that they get as well because everybody deserves support. So I'm really looking forward to that. Those are the big ones. Let me know if you guys want. I mean, there are other stories. There are... Um, <clears throat> there are much more. Oh, the other story that I did want to make sure that I brought up that's a little bit more risque. So I'm sorry for anybody that this may offend. And if you guys want more stories, I have so many more that I usually just tell my close girlfriends, but let me know if you guys want another one. This is just getting long. So I wanted to just give you a little overview of dating and I will be dating again. Like I said, I assume when I go back, who knows what will happen. But when I go back this summer, again, I will be doing Ireland I'll be in Scotland with my father, so eh, probably not a lot of dating there, but I will be doing Ireland again, England, and the Netherlands, and I, there could be a couple of weeks in there that I'm not sure where I'll be going yet, so mm, stay tuned. Still things happening there. One thing I really loved around sex that I found really fascinating and important that I we need to champion in our culture as well is that I dated a man from England and he was in the Netherlands on some business trips. He had to be flying back and forth for business and we spent a lot of time together. And I remember when we had decided that we were going to have sex, he said, we, we talked about it ahead of time. He was going to come over that night. That was sort of the plan for us to hang out and, and have sex. And he, when he got there, he was like, okay, so you still want to do this, right? And I was like, oh, that was very lovely. Yeah, sure, of course. And then we started making out and he said it again, like, are you still, this is still what you want to do? And I was like, I mean, yeah, dude. Okay. Okay. And then we're getting more hot and heavy, clothes are coming off and he asks again. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm getting kind of annoyed. And then we are having sex and he asks me again, is this what you want to be doing? Is this okay? Is this what you want? Do you still want to be doing this? And I was like, dude, you are inside of me. You are inside of me. I can't believe you're asking this. This is so weird. Like you're taking me out of the mood. Stop asking me. Yes, we are doing this. I want to be doing this. And he pulled away and he looked at me and he said, 
Yeah, but you may have changed your mind even while having sex. So I want to check in. And I just thought, wow, how lovely. And afterwards, I was like, well, let's get back to what we were doing. But afterwards, I asked him about it. I was like, you know, I'm sorry that I like reacted that way. And he showed me this incredible video that they watch in schools when they're younger about consent and about, and it's a funny little one about serving somebody tea and they make it sort of silly, but you understand the point of like, you can ask somebody if they want tea and if they say they want tea, great, then they want tea. But maybe then you can ask them again, like maybe they don't decide they don't want to drink the tea after you've made them the tea. And that is okay. They have a right to change their mind after they've asked for tea that they may not want tea. And that even as they're drinking the tea, they may sip the tea and then realize they don't want the tea. They may drink half the tea and realize they don't want the tea. And that is okay. You do not have the right to give them, to make them feel guilty that you made this tea for them and they don't want it. So you just respect that even though they drank, you can't say like, well, you've already started. You've already drank half the tea. How can you say you don't want it now? Or maybe they have the whole tea and they say, that's wonderful. And you say, well, let me make you another cup because you loved it so much. They have the right to say, no. I had the cup. Thank you. I loved that cup. I do not want another cup of tea. And you have to respect that. Just like somebody may want to have sex once and then not want to have sex again. And then they even go into like, and if somebody was passed out, you wouldn't force feed them tea. And I was like, this is weird. And then it occurred to me, right, we have this problem in America. A girl is passed out in a bed. And because she passed out in your bed or because you think you're owed something, we have problems with that being taken from her. And so they have this thing that you wouldn't give somebody tea if they were passed out and they couldn't say they wanted tea. Or if they were, you know, woozy and stumbling around, you wouldn't offer them tea. They're not in a place to understand what tea is and accept tea and drink tea right now. They need help. And again, although it seems so ridiculous, God, we need that in our schools. And look what kind of men that makes who are checking in and reassuring and making sure. And I reacted that way because I'm just not used to it. I'm just not used to that kind of checking in and care. And not that I haven't been with wonderful men and not saying anything bad has happened to me. It's just that we don't teach that in our school systems. We don't teach that. We teach horrible, horrible sex ed. We do not teach relationship ed. And in the Netherlands specifically, they have relationship education. They start teaching relationship education at five. They call it butterflies in the tummy about how you sit next to some people sometimes and you don't feel anything. And then sometimes you sit next to somebody else. By the way, they never bring up gender. They never say, sometimes as a little boy, you might sit next to a little, little girl and feel this way. Nope, they don't bring up gender. They just say, you may sit next to somebody else and feel butterflies in your tummy. And that's how they start talking about it. And then they talk about how to appropriately break up with somebody. They talk about how to talk about sex, how to talk about your feelings in a relationship. And my God, we need that here. And it was so fascinating in dating and in having sexual relationships with men in the Netherlands or, you know, this man in England, being able to see that play out and that sort of emotional awareness and awareness for other and others' feelings was just absolutely phenomenal and reminded me again how much we need that in our country. So that's my little PSA at the end there. It's something I'm very passionate about. It's one of the platforms of me talking about the shit they need to te- we need to teach in school and don't. Relationship education 
along with better sex education is so important. And it was just so beautiful to get to see that play out. Well, getting to get to have some wonderful sex at the same time. How great is that? But getting to see that play out in healthier adults was just absolutely wonderful. So I hope you liked this episode. I guarantee you I'm going to regret doing this episode later when I hear it back at some point. But it is what it is. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that it was what you were looking for when so many people said, we want to hear all about your dating experiences and stuff in other countries. So um, I know it's something that we don't talk enough about with travel and traveling single and getting to date other cultures. So excited to share it with you so far anyways. And there'll be more to come next time. Until then, stay safe. Love you guys.